Podcast for HBO's excellent TV show, The Game of Thrones. My name is Doug. With me, as always, is Brian. And Brian, how you doing? Good. You seem very subdued this evening, Doug. Well, I just feel like um, we should cut the show a lot of slack. I mean, <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, is that contrary to the mission statement of the podcast? Yeah, it is contrary to the mission statement. Uh, so we have the. This is a. Uh, Normally, I talk about some nonsense, but let's just jump right in. This is the season finale for season seven. Uh, episodes called uh, The Dragon and the Wolf, season seven, episode seven. Uh, Faith of the Seven, all that shit. Uh, I gotta say, just un- underwhelming all around. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, the whole Arya Sansa storyline wrapped up stupidly. Um a lot of logic issues with it, and then we also knew the wall was going to come down, so the big reveal wasn't such a big reveal. I still like the episode, um, but I do have a fair amount to complain about. And also, it didn't seem like a lot happened. That, and nothing, so. that, that was my biggest complaint. Not a whole lot happens. At the end of the day, no. the stupid-ass plan that they had f- that took up the last half of this season with capturing White Walker, getting into Cersei, the first objection I think I raised was... Even if Cersei believes that White Walkers are real, why the fuck should she give a shit or want to help you? And that seems to be the case. That was uh, flawless logic. And I imagine a lot of viewers, even if they're not book readers, know the character enough to know that. And you would think that characters within the show would know that as well. Long story short, nothing really changes at the end of this. Uh, And even Cersei's deception really doesn't gain her much, and we'll jump into that in detail um, we knew that the Littlefinger, uh, Sansa, Arya thing would probably resolve this episode, and it was going to go one of two ways, in which one of the girls died and we would have been pissed because it was dumb, or Littlefinger would have got found out because the Stark children were playing them all along, and that seemed to be the case. But it wasn't fulfilling. It was just, I was glad that it was over with. Yeah, same. And I, they just left so much off the screen. It seemed implausible, especially because during the, the, the wrap-up or their comments on it, they kept talking about how they were building tension, but they, they didn't even stop to like make a, a, a plot line that made any sense. So no. I, it's just stupid. I, I really didn't like it. So They didn't flesh it out. It didn't seem like the stakes were real. It, all the stakes seemed imaginary. Um, right. It, yeah, because they didn't spend the time on it. Um, none of the mo- character motivations made any sense. 
but let's pick it apart uh, when we get to it. But overall, yeah. I feel like I <laughs> the first watching, I still enjoyed it as well. I was like, oh, I'm along for this, you know. But I think the problem is that I was okay with the leaps in logic as long as it resulted in a spectacle or something surprising, and we didn't get any of that. And I think that's the biggest problem is I've shut my brain off. I told you that's what I'm doing, and I'm trying to enjoy it, and I have been enjoying it. Uh, I just feel like, unlike the Spoils of War or even last week's um, Beyond the Wall, where there was a ginormous battle scene, I feel like there's no spectacle, um, or there wasn't as much spectacle. Um, So I feel like the flaws are more apparent. Yes, I agree with you. (sighs) If you agree with me, this is going to be a very short podcast. (laughs) All right, let's let's dive right in. So, uh, oh, first of all, I want to address um, uh, Unsullied seven sixty four wrote. You guys are dumbasses. Didn't you see that they had obsidian daggers and weapons the whole time during Beyond the Wall? And I said, I know we commented last week. Um, we're like, why don't they have dragon glass? And why are the White Walkers going down? Are the White Walk the Whites going down so quick? But I guess they did have dragon glass weapons. I just wish it was acknowledged. Right? In any kind of way? Yeah. I mean, I watched the episode twice fairly carefully, and I did not. I mean, I guess so, but it was never stated explicitly. I mean, that does make sense, so thank you for pointing that out to us. But uh, the show is so heavy-handed all the time, I don't know why they couldn't have been more (laughs) heavy-handed with that. I like how they had to say, like, the the heavy-handedness was apparent at the end with the whole uh, Lana Stark and Rhaegar we're in love and they had a child and it is Jon Snow and he's really Aegon Targaryen. Spoiler alert, by the way, I'm going to be talking about the rest of this episode. So if you haven't seen this episode, don't listen to this podcast. Um, But they basically have to spell it out. After they've hinted to it and told us several times, they have to basically come right out and say it. And they don't even acknowledge that. I would have just one line of dialogue. Hey guys, be sure you use these weapons, not your normal stuff. And then they just handed out the dragon glass. That would have been it. Yeah, I didn't notice. So I mean, we could be, we could, we both of us could be dumbasses, but uh, and that's definitely the case, no question asked. Agreed. But uh, anyway, I just wanted to acknowledge. You know, we print corrections page one. We won't hide it at the end of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Okay, so right. <laughs> so start starting us off. Grey Worm turns in his best performance of the series um, as he just stands there, and we get the unsullied lined up in formation outside uh, the walls of King's Landing. Uh, the Lannisters are inside and busily doing stuff, including making barrels of pitch, which Braun looks it over and says, how many? And he says, double it. We're going to need a bigger boat. You know, uh, some stupid tropish bullshit. Uh, Braun then joins uh, Jamie, looking out over the battlement at the Unsullied, and Braun brings up the fact that I can't believe they're all dickless. And anytime you mention dicklessness, uh, it's hilarious. So we all laugh. And Jamie tries to turn it into a philosophical argument, or a discussion, rather. By saying that most men uh, fight for families, and Bronn's like, well, most soldiers fight for just whores, and Jamie's like, yeah, you're probably right, they're both domains of the cock. Uh, and then we are treated to one of the most homoerotic lines in the series, which Jamie says, maybe it's all cocks in the end. And in the end, meaning butt. Uh, so we get that, and then the Dothraki show up in massive Jeez. numbers, <laughs> and then Bronn says in so many words, we are fucked. So not much to talk about here except for, uh, I guess, the plan to leave the Unsullied uh, and let them take Casterly Iraq was dumb because they look like they have all their men and they're there for battle. So 
Yeah, and they're back without any kind of explanation whatsoever. Yeah, was it a uh, tough time? Did it? Did it? Was it a rough road? Like Grey Worm I, yeah. got no time. No, no, and uh, a lot of wiener talk. I, I'm kind of tired of um, of Bron and the wiener talk. I don't know. Well, about get you. ready. There's more wiener um, wiener relevant stuff later on with Theon. But continue. Yeah. No question. Anything else to say about this uh, setup? No, no, not really. So next we go to uh, the boat. And John and Tyrion uh, and Davos are on the boat, and Tyrion asks why – or I'm sorry, John asks why people like to live in a city. Uh, Tyrion explains what it's like living in a city, and they apparently say there's a million people in King's Landing. Not much there, but then we cut to the Hound going down to check on the White, and the White apparently is still alive and kicking. So not much here. No, not not a whole lot. Just setting things up. The one thing mm-hmm. is there's more people, they said, John says there's more people in King's Landing than in the, all of the North. Which, I mean, you got to think you're going to get a pretty big yard if you move to the North. If there's less than a million yeah, people. Really. Move out to the burbs. Yeah, they also, I think previously there had been, they'd said there had been a half a million people. So I guess that a double, yeah. maybe, I don't know, maybe war has scared people back. I don't know. I, I, I heard that number too mentioned on another podcast, the half a million number. Um, so... And when he said, uh, you know, a million people live in King's Landing, I was like, mm, that seems weird. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think, no, half a million people living in King's Landing, I think, specifically came up because, I don't know, one of these nerd podcasts I listen to, not this one because we're cool, um, mentioned the numbers. But whatever, not not much going here. They're just building up the tension. I was slightly concerned that it would be a repeat of, was it Yorin? Was that the guy who, uh, no, not Yorin. Uh, they sent Alisha Thorne south with the severed hand in the book, right? Yes. And it uh, ended up deteriorating because Tyrion, <laughs> whatever, the karma wheel came back around and Tyrion didn't like Alisha Thorne, so he made him wait and the hand just deteriorated to nothing. So I guess I had a little bit of concern that they were going to look like big fucking fools, that they get the zombie down here and then it's just uh, a lifeless corpse. But Yeah, no yeah that would have been infuriating. Yeah, it would have been infuriating for the <laughs> characters and me and you, I guess. Yes. Oh, yes, very much. Okay, so moving on. Cersei is chatting with Kyburn and is somewhat concerned or annoyed that Danny is not with the rest of the party uh, that sailed to King's Landing. Uh, and before heading to the meeting, she tells Sir Gregor that if things go south, he's to kill Danny first, then Tyrion, and then Jon. And the rest, just kill in whatever order you like. So let's put a pin in that, but I want to see. We get blue balls. The, that's another theme for this whole show or this episode is blue balls later uh we are treated um with uh to sandy's envoy walking and talking and we get a history little history lesson about the dragon pit uh and how the targaryens used to store the dragons there and they grew weak and small uh and they come up on Bronn and a party of lannister guards that are there to escort them to the party brienne and pod are also with them as they have arrived early uh and then we get these uh walk and talk uh, catch-ups that we've been treated to all season long in which two characters get a moment to talk to each other and they're going somewhere. I guess adding to the feeling that the show is moving forward. Uh, so Pod and Tyrion get a chance to briefly catch up. It's pretty unsatisfying or noteworthy. The Hound tells people to uh, fuck off and he gets a chance to catch up with Brienne and they both talk about their child, Arya, and how she's doing. Like they're a divorced couple. <laughs> it's pretty great. Um... And next, it's Tyrion and Bronn's time to yammer. Uh, Tyrion brings up the possibility of Bronn changing sides, and Bronn uh, tries to intimidate 
Tyrion saying he's bringing the queen uh, two traitors' heads. All she has to do is take them. Uh, and then, you know, we get this one authentic moment, which I, I kind of liked, between uh, Tyrion and Bronn, in which Tyrion just straight up says, um, it's good to see you. And Bronn returns it without any sarcasm, uh, which I thought was a nice, pleasant little little moment. Out of all these like reunions, I feel like that one had the most emotional impact um, for me. Yeah, I think so, because those are probably two of the characters that were the closest. I mean, they were antagonistic, but they were together for so long. And it did seem like there was something more to their relationship that, other than Bron just being a, uh, a sellsword. But... Yeah, I thought they played tummy sticks. Oh, God. <sighs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but anything else to say about this scene? It's just more like build up, uh, more walk and talks, more people reuniting. No, not really. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's going to be yeah, the theme of this podcast as well, I guess. Not really. Yeah, no. I don't want to just blabber to blabber, but there's... I, mean, I did like the like the people see each other. Um, uh, you know, <laughs> I don't know what else to say. I don't either. I did it's, like it's, it, but nothing nothing was. It, you know, it didn't really impact the show, and none of them. I mean, it's fun the seeing thing. the characters, I guess, but it's it, it's just kind of kind of just like, chewing up screen. time. Yeah, it's chewing up screen time, and it's doing this thing where they're just going off at a checklist and saying, "Oh, look at these do these two characters haven't talked in a while, but they were together earlier in the series. Let's them have them catch up for three minutes of pointless dialogue, which." has no greater impact on the story or their character development at all. Um, isn't that fun? And it was fun, but once yeah, again, it's yeah, masturbation. It you know, it's not really doing anything. Right. So that's why it's hard to comment on something that really there's not a lot of substance to other yep. than lip service. So let's keep so, going. Let's keep digging, <laughs> digging our way through this. <laughs> so next we arrive at the Dragon Pit. It's a fairly cool-looking uh, ruined amphitheater. Uh, Bronze shows everywhere and where to sit, then takes Pod to have a drink. There are multiple shots of everyone looking around. Tyrion and, and the, the Hound have a fun conversation about possibly dying in the city. And then Cersei and her gang arrive, and apparently her, her hair still has not grown out, despite it being, I think, quite a while since she was uh, subjected to the Walk of Shame. The Hound uh, then approaches the mountain and tells the mountain he's going to get him, and they tease the, the Clegane Bowl. Cersei then asks where Danny is and is told that Danny had traveled separately. Yeah, I fucked up and I called the Cleane Bowl this week and it would have been a better idea than what we got, for sure. Yeah. But I, I thought this this whole thing was just weird. I like the weird looks between everybody. That's fine. It did do a good job of creating some tension. And when Bronn took Pod away to get a drink, I thought for sure Pod was dead. I was like, this is the beginning of some kind of trick or betrayal because at that point uh Cersei and that crew hadn't arrived yet and all the good guys quote unquote were just sitting in the dragon pit staring around looking around like they were going to get assaulted at any moment with Brienne looking particularly like a rube <laughs> yeah. well that's just her resting face um yeah who knows uh, you know there's an interesting story behind Bronn leaving uh supposedly he used to in fact I know this he used to date uh, Cersei in oh, real yeah. life isn't that crazy like he's like yeah. 50 or something or like no he he's way older than he's got the just for men going on like crazy on that hair like yeah uh, but he was in a cool band a long time ago so she probably cool saw him man he's she's like I remember yeah. listening to you when I lost my period <laughs> gross you lost your period well yeah that's that works <laughs> yeah it's called losing it it's uh you know they made movies about it in the 80s that's what it's about Jeez. right you should be a republican senator you know so much about female anatomy yeah um, but, i'm mitch mcconnell so, 
<laughs> Suppose, you are very turtle-like. Uh, supposedly, they um, they cannot be in the same scene together because of that relationship. So I fucking that's hate actors. The I hate probably, actors. Yeah, go fuck yourselves. Um, you like the reaction shots. I thought that the scene kind of plotted due to all the... Um, it's like they had to, to make sure they got a shot at everyone reacting to everything, um, which I, I kind of took me out of it. I don't know how many times you can just keep showing people's faces reacting to the same things. Yeah, um, that, whatever. I was a little disappointed in the size of the dragon pits. Uh, in the books, it's supposed to be just massive. I think they have room to store up to 40 dragons. In this, <laughs> it just, I mean, one dragon won't Well, that's the thing is like... In the yeah, Drogon comes in, and when he takes off, it seems like his wind, his wings like envelop the entire place. So I'm like, okay, uh, wouldn't you think like the first dragons that were there, there were at least three of them because that's the three dragons first came over to Westeros. That was I, I read that they had up to twenty dragons there, and even if they were shrinking, it still would be massive. And right. I don't, they actually lived here, so it's not well, like, yeah. Well, we got to think, what is this? What is this place? Like, it, it was a real set. So did they build all this? Didn't look like it was it. A, it looked like they repurposed. It was a Roman Colosseum. Yeah, it looked like they repurposed an existing structure. So, uh, I enjoyed it. The fact that it looked real as opposed to it being accurate. So, well, I mean, they they also did the same thing with the uh, fighting pits in Marine, where they used a old Roman, I think it was Roman Colosseum, and then added CGI to make it look larger than it actually was. Uh, I don't know why they didn't do that here, but just uh, it, it is striking that this supposedly is a dragon pit and a dragon can't fit into it. Uh, uh, I it, will say, okay, sorry. It did look, I mean, I thought it did look cool otherwise. Yeah. Uh, I saw this, it wasn't just the behind the episode thing, it was the one where you have to like go to GameOfThrones.com to see the behind the dragon pit scene, and I watched a little bit of it because it was linked on some blog today, and um, they said it took 10 days to shoot the scene at the dragon pit and i don't know <laughs> why would that shit take 10 fucking days like i can't think of a scenario unless like all the actors couldn't be there in the same place and they weren't all in the same place at the same time uh it just doesn't seem like there's that much dialogue that much going on uh that it would necessitate 10 fucking days of being on that set um i have no idea yeah but yeah that seems like it would take quite a while i, I mean I, I guess to get everyone in the right position to make sure you get all their face. I don't know. I've never been on a set, so I don't really have any clue how this thing works. So I'll just be talking out of my yeah, ass. Yeah, I've been on a set. But that does seem like a long time. I've been on a set. It was a. Yeah. It was you know. It was just a bedroom, mm. and there were some lights, and there wasn't any <laughs> film in the camera. <laughs> I don't like to talk about no. it. Um, oh man, I thought you were going to go with a black couch in a nondescript office. <laughs> uh, okay. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Uh, one other thing, which is I thought was funny, is the um, the hound approaches the mountain and says, "You look different. What they do to you, or something to that effect." And it's funny because the last time these guys saw each other was at the uh, tournament in the first season, where he where the mountain was actually played by a different actor. Oh, I guess that'd be funny if you realized that. But I was more disturbed the fact that like the hound's not like, "Hey, you look different." He's like, "Holy shit, what the fuck?" And then like try to like see his. Fa- you look like a goddamn dead person. I just battled it. I don't know. His like reaction to his brother's crazy bloodshot red eyes and very pale skin was kind of underwhelming. And then this weird, vague thing like, you know how this is going to end. I'm just like, what? This is stupid. Just keep your fucking mouth shut. Like, 
I don't know. I don't know how it could have been better, but uh, I'm pretty sure this could have been better. And it's just yeah, they actually fought. Well, that absolutely. There you go. We made it better, guys. But um, (laughs) no. But like, if you if you at least set it up like, you know, that you know they said something to each other. It's like, what happened to you? And and maybe uh, Clegane showed some real um, sympathy towards his brother, and his brother like brutally hit him across the face, and maybe sent him back flying 15 yards or something like that. And they had to like get in the way to break up a fight, like teasing the the Clegane Bowl. I felt I feel like would have been better with like a little scuffle that had to be broken up. Would I don't know. I'm just making shit up. <laughs> yeah, that would have been funny though if they did like uh, they did the thing where you know uh, you like are just standing you know come at me, but you're actually like having your friends hold you back on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like well, another one of your oh, friends they... sneaks up behind the mountains on all fours, so you can push him over. Yeah. Oh yeah, schoolboy. That would have been badass. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, this just this proceeding just goes on way too long. And waiting for Danny, um, you know, it's just building tension. And it did a good job. It just it just went on a little bit too long. So let's go keep going. Yeah. All right, so Cersei's complaining about having to wait for Danny. Uh, she comes in, you know, on the dragon. Of course, like, she'd come in in any other way. And Cersei said, we've been waiting a while. And she's like, I apologize. Apologies or some shit like that. Anyway, Tyrion begins the proceedings and is immediately interrupted by that cunt Euron who addresses Theon directly and says, hey, submit now or I'm going to kill your sister Yara. And Tyrion just looks both confused and more annoyed, looking at his brother, Jamie, like, what the fuck is happening now? What What is this happening? And basically says something along the lines of, nobody cares about that pirate hoe. We got bigger things to talk about, uh, which I thought was great because they just minimized how much me as an audience member cares about Yara, uh, let alone everybody else. Like even Theon didn't fall for the bait. Uh, yeah. And then Euron makes a joke about Tyrion being a dwarf, and uh, Tyrion's response was, um, you know, clever and quick. Um, so I enjoyed that. Um, basically, Euron's being a dumb, unoriginal bastard, and Euron continues to talk shit about how they would drown the dwarves on the Iron Islands, uh, and just basically be as an, as an asshole until uh, Cersei tells Sir Gregor to get involved, and Euron finally comes back and shuts his mouth and sits down. So then Tyrion gets to begin in earnest. Uh, Cersei wants to know why they're here, and then Jon speaks up, says the whole, hey, the dead are coming for us all speech. And Cersei, of course, doesn't believe it. She thinks this truce is just a trap so that Danny can continue to build her army and betray her uh, later uh, at a later point. Uh, and then Tyrion says, we got something to show you. The Hound enters with a zombie box on his back, and he looks like it's a lot of work. I don't know why he just didn't wheel, wheel it in. I don't know why I had to come up from the stairs. Anyway, uh, the Hound takes you know all the chains off the box, dumps the zombie out, and the zombie runs headlong right at Cersei! And is stopped at the last possible moment by a chain that uh, the Hound is holding at the other end. I guess Sir Gregor was asleep on the job, didn't stand and get in the way. Uh, everyone is disturbed by this and shocked, and the hound hacks the zombie in half when he comes towards him. Uh, still, and the, the fucking zombie still moves. Uh, the hound then severs an arm, and Kyburn picks it up and can hardly contain his boner. As he stares at it in fascination, John grabs it from him and demonstrates that these dead, uh, zombie things can be killed by fire, or stopped by fire, because they're already dead. Um... And he sets the hand on fire. Uh, and then he also says, or with this dragon glass and stabs the zombie and it lays there motionless. So very effective 
uh, presentation. I know I've been in a room where PowerPoint doesn't work, and I'm like, oh, I don't know what to do now. So I feel like, you know, this everything went off without a hitch here. Yeah, it was so it was kind of uh, silly how the the white just ran straight at Cersei, like almost Stupid. like it was, knew what it was supposed to do. Um, so uh, I did. Yeah, I thought it was a good presentation. Uh, if you knew, watch closely, you could see Kyburn having to tuck it up underneath his belt because he yep. was fully engorged. Yep. Um, I did enjoy so, that. That seemed true to the character, you know. Yeah, yeah, he would be fascinated with it. Uh, it, it, was, it was a little bit different. It seems like in the past. Um, you people have been able to kill whites by attacking them. Like if, for instance, at a hard home, it wasn't just one of these things. Like if you slice <laughs> them enough, they would die. But here, uh, it's clear that they uh, that they uh, everything lives until it's killed. Just yeah. specifically, which they hadn't really done before. Well, yeah, think. we've we've talked about the co- lack of consistency with the magic yeah. Uh, before. Yeah, now we're back to the uh, super fast uh, white that is uh, unrelenting. Which later on in this episode we go back to the plotting army. So a lack of consistency. Uh, I mean, it makes for what they've done. At least in this episode, I thought it made for a better presentation. But the the lack of consistency does bother me on something so basic. You know, hey, yeah, they got to conserve calories. You only have so many of them. Well, I, I, I don't think so. I think that uh, <laughs> they don't need any calories. Apparently, I don't, I don't know, know about that. It's magic, bro. All right, so. Um, Danny then uh, tells her story about how she has witnessed this and she believes them. Euron asks um, if they can swim, and upon finding out no, he gets up and leaves. Tells everyone that he's going to go live on an island and wait for everyone to um, to to die. I guess I don't know what his plan would be because you would think the White Army would still be running around out there. He also suggests that Danny do the same. Cersei then accepts the truce, and everyone is re- or the uh, the armistice. And everyone is relieved, but then she says that she requires John to make a truce, and uh, only wants John's truce because he knows as Ned Stark's son he'll be true to his word. John then declines the offer, telling everyone he's pledged to House Targaryen. Cersei then tells everyone to go screw and leaves. Uh, yeah. So, spoiler alert. Let's talk about the fact that I mean Euron's performance. We knew that was. You know, the fact that he said, I've been all over the sea and I've seen all sorts of things, but this is the first thing that's terrified me. Like, okay, that sounds like bullshit. That's either bad writing or he's pulling our leg. And that's fine. I don't know. I disagree. That got me. I believed it. Um, The the wording, I think, was a problem. Like him saying, fuck you guys, I'm going home would have been better. But him saying, like, being authentic and saying this, you know, guys, I'm going to be real with you. This is very scary. It's he like, should have done the. Uh, he should have done the half eight. Screw you. Screw you. Yeah, you're like, cool. Fuck this. I'm not dying. You know what I mean? Show some emotion. I don't know. Uh, it just seemed weird that he was, you know, being authentic. But like Lena Headey, I gotta ask. So this, this is all. She never had any intention of being part of this armistice to begin with. She was just deceiving everybody. So was she not terrified when that zombie came at her? Did that not affect her at all? Like I don't know. Like maybe it was her plan all along to reject him, but you know it just. Yeah, I think that's the plan all along, and I, she makes some uh, good points later on in the episode that it would be better for to just allow the uh, the undead and the, all the North people fight it out, and then she goes in and picks up the pieces afterward. And she also raises the point that if the Dothraki and the um, and and the dragons can't kill them, what the hell are her you know however many thousand men actually going to do? 
So, I mean, I, I'm sure she was terrified by it, but I also think that her plan still makes a lot of sense but if my, you're being crazy. Okay, my plan, my my point is, and this is a bigger point I want to wait till later in the episode, but what does this buy her by pretending to be on board? Because aren't they going to find out when she doesn't commit troops within a couple days, a couple weeks, that she's not on board? Yeah. I mean, that, yes. So this yeah. just buys her a couple of days. Well, it, but also, and then when you, it, it, yeah. So I think, the, but the larger thing is that now all of Denny's armies will fully commit to going to the north. So that leaves open this power vacuum for the rest of the no. country. Because she can well, just fly to the, I, she can I, fly to I, the Red I, Keep and just burn it all down at yeah. any point. Well, that's true. Yeah, I mean, but I don't think they want you to think that far through it. But it also brings into question this whole thing where. They've pretended that Danny's made some kind of headway in taking lands across Westeros when she, as far as we know, she hasn't done she shit hasn't done other shit. than take Casterly Rock. Yeah, that's so, the only, like, stronghold. Right. Yeah. So, I, yeah. And then she abandoned um, Casterly Rock because it appears like every motherfucking last Unsullied is with them. And if they left somebody behind, they didn't tell us. Yeah, so I, I guess the thing would be at that point that... that Danny would be committed to the battle north, uh, so then she could do whatever she wanted to do. Da- uh, Cersei could do whatever she wanted to do. Danny could but- uncommit from the battle. She's the queen. Da- right. John is pledged to her, so she could say, "You know what? Those fuckers didn't. They didn't come. Everybody, turn the fuck around. Unsullied Dothraki. Flip a flip a bitch. We're going right back to King's Landing. We're gonna fuck them up. I'll head there first and just bit- burn down the Red Keep." Uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Once again, these aren't like huge nitpicks. Uh, I feel like these are just practical things. Like this whole deception just bought Cersei a couple of days. And when you factor in the fact that Jamie is going north, presumably to meet up with everybody because he's now going to be honorable. Ooh, Doug Rant's coming. Um, I feel like he'll tell them, oh, wait, Cersei's not going to be with you. Oh, okay. Well, should we go back and fuck up Cersei? Uh, I mean, the wall falling uh, probably has more... Uh, by the way, spoiler alert, that's the second one. I normally don't do this. Uh, but the wall falling might commit them a little bit more to the north. And I understand for drama's sake, we have to have this like war on two fronts thing going on. Because, once again, more drama. Uh, I just think it doesn't make a lot of sense. I feel like you could fix this somehow. I, I agree, but I don't know how you would fix I mean, I agree from it from a sensical... Uh, evaluation of it, but I don't know how you would fix it, though. Yeah, give us, uh, I don't know, a couple of Mountain Dews, three hours. <laughs> okay, Code Red. <laughs> yeah, and a Magic 8-Ball, and we'll come back to you with a... <laughs> with an, All right, with I'll be waiting. Options. All right, uh, so where do we go next? Oh, wait, is it my turn? Yes. Damn it. All right. Uh, so Cersei and Co. are walking back. Uh, and Brienne stops Jamie, tells him that he needs to talk to his sister because fuck loyalty. This problem transcends all that bullshit with oats, oats and the Utes. Um, saying that uh, you know this is bigger than all that shit. And Jamie wants to believe her, but he's like, "Well, I got to do what she says." Uh, and then everyone, Davos, Tyrion, Danny, they all take turns giving John a bunch of shit for fucking up the truce by telling the truth. They're like, "You could have just lied." And uh, John defends his actions by saying being honorable isn't being stupid. Um, he says that if all those in power lack honor and lie all the time, there will be no truth, only better lies. Um, and I can't think of a real-world parallel for any of this shit right now. 
goddamn fantasy show. Anyway, uh, Tyrion says that that is a, a very serious concern, but at the fucking immediate moment, they are fucked. Uh, and Tyrion says, hey, the only thing that's going to fix this is me going to meet with my sister in private, which another dumb idea. I don't know why anybody would sign up off sign off on it, uh, but they do. And because of reasons. So Tyrion's going to go meet with his sister in private. More tension, more buildup. Yeah, and, uh, I, I thought it was kind of odd that anyone expected John to lie, but I also thought it was even more odd that John apparently hadn't told anyone else that he pledged to Danny. I mean, how would he not have formed the rest of these people that are with him? Uh, that seemed dumb as shit. Yeah, or Danny would tell him, or somebody. You know what I mean? That it's a yeah. surprise. Once again, it's just like uh, John and Sansa not being on the same page when they go out to perform for the Northern Lords. Like, you have, a, like, a dress rehearsal. You just say, hey, what's going to go on? Like, you want to rehearse this kind of pitch to the evil queen that you're at war with, right? Yeah. Or at least make sure you have a, a you know, if you're in a corporate situation, you'd all be on board with the, the mission statement or whatever. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, to spring this off on everybody at the last moment. And the fact that she evoked Ned probably got him to tell the truth even more. Whatever. Yeah, I'm sure that was purposeful. Um. But yeah, I, uh, this just kind of felt like it was stringing along, especially because that she does end up agreeing to do it without those terms. So, and I, what was her goal in even having Sean agreeing to make a truce? I, I, I don't understand what the point of that's, that was either. That's my biggest thing is, yeah, if she's going to just go along anyway in the end, why even bluff that she's not going to go along? Right. If her yeah, main goal then, is to get them to think that she's on board with the truce... Why fuck it up? Or why put that in jeopardy? Because right now it's in jeopardy. There's no guarantee Tyrion's going to go after her. Uh, you know, Danny could say, all right, Dothraki, Unsully, attack. Uh, we're going to go to the air and we're going to burn everybody. Like, it's just dumb. It doesn't make logical sense. No, and so, and I don't think that they conveyed clearly enough whether this was like, I, I mean, I think that the point was that John, as king in the North, would make a permanent truce, lasting beyond... Just the uh, the ceasefire for the purpose of like a, a declaration of neutrality. Death. It would be like um, Switzerland or Sweden. I can't, I don't know them. Switzerland. No, I believe it's Sweden. Uh, but then, when John <laughs> after she after she broke her promise, as she apparently planned to do anyway, yeah, he would break his promise too. So it doesn't yeah. make any sense at all. No. Right. So that's why. Yeah, that's what some of these leaps in logic are just uh, frustrating. It's just too much lack of logic. Yeah. 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 Uh, I did enjoy Brienne's uh, like speech to Jamie. It seemed heartfelt. It seemed like a you know pretty good scene for for Brienne, who I've been pretty hard on. Not the actress, just the fact that um, she hasn't been given a whole lot to do. Um, mm-hmm. But you know all this tension and the fact that they respect each other. Uh, Brienne's probably you know in in love with Jamie to a certain extent. I don't know. I don't remember how much the show is treating that. Uh, but then they have this like emotional heated quick exchange with Cersei looking back on the whole thing. I thought that was nice. I enjoyed that. I agree. Yeah. It's she I don't know. Brienne seems like she's just uh this episode in particular, she just seemed like a yokel throughout the whole thing. It seemed like she was behind everybody in her mouth. Her jaw was basically on the ground the whole time. I, I don't know. Maybe that was a choice, but she just seemed like uh she was completely out of place most of this episode. Well, you know, when you're when you're forced to dance at a wedding or something and you don't know how, you just you know, fall back to the two step. You just go one, two, one, two, one. Maybe maybe staring 
slack jawed around as her like go to when she doesn't know how to react as an actor. Yeah, Who knows? So. Yeah, but uh, yeah, this exchange with uh, Jamie was good. And one thing I do want to uh, comment on is the John speech um, saying that stupidity—the whole stupidity versus honor thing—I uh, appreciated because uh, in the fandom with other shows, they all talk about how dumb Ned was for getting killed and uh, going south. But like, it's more than just being smart or dumb. Uh, like honor and doing the right thing has value like <laughs> like uh you know i'm not a particularly honorable person agreed like, yeah i mean i <laughs> i will take a penny from the take a penny leave a leave a penny and not leave one for long stretches of time uh but i think that like reducing ned's sacrifice uh to just saying he was dumb or uh not moving against Cersei because he didn't want to lock up children in the middle of the night like not doing something awful <laughs> is not necessarily dumb when it makes most more logical sense. Um, whatever again, I guess that's just a little soapbox of mine uh, to defend Ned Stark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And plus it's, uh, you know, it's one of these things where Ned Stark's values are coming out left and right, not only with John, but also his daughters and Bran at the end of the episode, so, like, him doing the right thing actually, in the long run, in the immediacy, got him killed, which I'll agree is kind of a negative uh, from his, <laughs> his perspective. <laughs> but as, as a whole, his family is surviving. Uh, more so the Lannisters, who are childless uh, for the moment and uh, on the brink of destruction. So, you gotta think Ned did the right thing. Yeah, I guess so. Anyway, my little diatribe, go on. All right, so uh, next, uh, Tyrion goes to see Cersei. The mountain escorts Tyrion to where he uh, runs into Jamie. Jamie says he tried to talk sense to Cersei, but she kicked him out. Some fun back and forth between the two characters, and Jamie says goodbye. Tyrion then enters Cersei's office, and Cersei begins giving him the business. He was not uh, aware of John swearing fealty to Danny, which again seemed odd. Tyrion then argues he is attempting to save his family. He advised against attack, as Danny wanted to do, just burn the city. He, um, they then recount Tyrion killing the dad and what led to that. And then Cersei blames all of the tragedies on the loss of Tywin and his power. Tyrion attempts to explain things, but uh, Cersei just not having it. Tyrion then says, all right, well, then just kill me already. But Cersei can't do it. More foolishness. Tyrion then goes to uh, pound a jug of wine and offers um, offers the lady a glass. Tyrion says he's sorry most about the kids. He did love them, and she knows that. But again, Cersei doesn't care. Tyrion then asks Cersei what she wants, and she turns it back on him. He says he wants Danny to take over, and she is better despite wanting to burn everyone. Cersei then admits that the white scared her, and she may have wanted to flee, but she also reveals that she is with child. Yeah, I most of my notes here were about the whole her deception. Cersei's just being duplicitous and deceitful right now uh, to just gain her a couple days or a week um, to get, I guess, the Golden Company there. Um, so I don't like that. But my other note was I didn't think Cersei's pregnancy was fake until this point because she's using it yet again in a way to influence someone. Like before I found out that Cersei is being duplicitous, um, she rubs her belly like knowingly and Tyrion says you're pregnant and I'm thinking 
okay, she wanted him to know that she was pregnant. And this is a person that she hates him. Like, she wants him, you can tell, like, even if this is a performance, she authentically wants him dead. Like, even if she is playing along, you got to think her authentic self wants Tyrion dead. So, uh, why would she tell this person she wants dead that she's pregnant unless she's trying to manipulate him? Yeah, and then also that's a way for to theoretically he would think that she's being more authentic uh, because now she has something important to live for. Yeah, I so I think she's faking it now. Or she uh, might it could be. very well be. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I think they've already blown up before this. They've blown up the because she, the the prophecy of Maggie the Frog. Uh, they've already blown that up because she's in the show. She had a child that they lost. Oh yeah, so she could couldn't have had four, three kids as. In the prediction, so might as well throw a fifth one in there if you yeah, why not? shit all over that prophecy. But we already yeah. talked about the fact that I don't think Cersei's going to live long enough to uh, deliver the baby. But, well, you never know. Which, you know what, that I mean, I wouldn't put it past Game of Thrones, but uh, that would be pretty shitty if they killed a pregnant mother, uh, one of the main characters. I mean, I, I wouldn't put it past them, but it, it would be, uh, I think... What, are, you for, are you being serious? It would be more digestible, I think, if Cersei is revealed that she is faking the pregnancy. Yeah, but they already killed a pregnant woman in the Red Wedding. I know. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's disgusting. <laughs> yeah, so I don't, I don't think they're above anything. And do you remember Roz? Moving on. Uh, <laughs> anything else to say about this weird exchange between Tyrion and uh, his sister? No, I, I I wonder what you thought, uh, whether um, she is accurate that if Tywin had been around, a lot of these things wouldn't happened. And also whether you thought that Tywin would have taken the same tact as her, as she's taking in this episode as well. No. So I think that both in the show and in the books, Cersei is delusional, uh, thinking that she is a female Tywin. Uh, mm-hmm. But she's probably right in her assessment that Tywin would have minimized damage that Cersei exasperated by dumb moves like arming the religious group. Um, you know, her sons would probably... She's blaming the the death of her kids on Tyrion where, you know, the whole Sept, the High Septum thing was her fault. You know what I mean? But she's not willing to admit it. Right. So I think she's right that uh, Tywin would have kept the family together. They would have hated him. I mean, Tyr- Cersei probably hated him on some level. Uh, she might not have wanted him dead like... Uh, Cersei might have hated him, but she didn't want him dead like Tyrion. Uh, but I think he would have kept shit together, for sure. Yeah, I agree. I also could see him taking the same strategy and fooling the other side to gain an advantage. Cutting out the lack of logic to the plan. But, I mean, it's it's not too far off of uh, the Red Wedding. You know, that, that very deceptive move. Right. He doesn't really care about the outcome. And I'll, But then again, he probably would have used a cat's ball or some other way to disguise it as hey no it was actually somebody else's fault so uh but it does seem you you mentioned cersei i mean her she was definitely delusional and a terrible a terrible leader prior but it seems like yeah she's, she's born better again now. hard yeah like, which is i i kind of dislike um but i guess you kind of had to do it to make the show happen yeah you gotta have a uh villain worthy of this woman danny who's got Three dragons and a resurrected Jon Snow. Right. But we've talked in previous episodes about how every single plan that she has just failed spectacularly. So uh, that's no longer the case. Nope. Apparently. So, all right. Um, 
So John and Danny are uh, chat privately while they're waiting for Tyrion to get back. Danny says she hates what John did, but she respects him for his choice. Much like, you know, <laughs> I hate what you say, but I'll fight to the death to defend it. <laughs> First Amendment right. Anyway, which is all bullshit. Uh, Danny gives a history lesson about how the Targaryens fucked up by pinning their dragons because dragons are not slaves. You can't cage a dragon. They're, they got to give them their freedom, I guess, but you can ride them whenever you want and take them into battle and risk your lives, so it doesn't make a lot of sense either. Um, says they fucked up by keeping them in the pit, making them get small and weak, just like her family, the Targaryens, got small and weak. The topic of Danny's fertility comes up again, and John's like, well, who told you you couldn't have babies? And she's like, oh, woods witch that killed my husband. <laughs> well, don't you think that she probably might not be the best source? Um, anyway, nothing gets a girl hotter than talking about her reproductive <laughs> possibilities. Um, Danny then complains that uh, she doesn't know what to do next because she can't ignore what she saw with the Night King. Uh, and she can't let Cersei do her thing uh, while um, and turn her back on her while Danny goes to defend uh, the North. So basically, she reiterates that uh, she's fucked. Uh, they are interrupted by Tyrion's return, uh, and he's closely followed by Cersei and her entourage again. Cersei says that she will not stand down her armies, but send her armies north to fight for the living against the dead. Yay! Uh, she is on board with a plan, and everybody seems happy, which you knew was not going to happen because you knew there was a season of eight. eight. Um, so whether the betrayal came immediately, which it did, or later, you knew this was not going to last. And I wish it would have lasted till next season. I really do. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't have much to say here. I mean, they're hitting the Danny is fair uh, infertile pretty hard so i guess she's gonna be pregnant next yeah. next yep. season yeah you gotta yeah. you gotta think so mm-hmm. uh but you know what i'm saying like it could have been cool if they ended with cersei pretending to go along and then having a meaningful dis- betrayal that ended up with a lot of people dying or a big blow and another swing of power yeah, I don't know that she wants to kill them at this point because I do would think that she would want the this army to go and defeat the White Walkers and then be sufficiently weakened that she can swing in with the Golden Company and just kill the rest of whoever's living. So yeah, but as we discussed, we know that John and Danny are going to know that she betrayed them before they get yeah. fully embroiled in the conflict. You would think. But now that the wall's down, I don't think that Danny's army has any choice but to continue north. I don't know. They could just have everybody retreat. Just evacuate. Just I like guess. Hurricane Harvey. Just everybody get out. Not, 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 not good. Not yet? No. Too, too soon? Yes. So we return to Winterfell, and Sansa is reading a note that apparently tells her that John bended the knee to, to Danny. Littlefinger questions everything, including the potential political marriage, how Danny and John could be potentially... Powerful union. Littlefinger then suggests that Sansa is betraying John, or that she does betray John to become queen. Sansa tells Littlefinger that she's afraid of Arya, that Arya's a killer. Sansa then questions what Arya is up to, and they don't really know. Littlefinger offers his insight and his thought process, which is think of everyone's worst motivations and then see if that will fit the circumstances. And then he asks Sansa to apply it here. 
And uh, it's the scenario is that Arya wants Sansa dead. She came to Winterfell to kill her and become through, become the Lady of Winterfell after walking through the logic and annoyed Sansa. And so that's kind of the scene. Yeah, I mean, uh, we talked about this um, when this when we saw this coming either last week or the week before. Um, there's only two ways this finishes being dumb or uh, being annoying. And I think it was more annoying. Like, um, uh, this just, it just seems like manufactured conflict. There's no reason why Sansa would trust Littlefinger for any reason. Unless, I mean, I could see it. And if the, there was some other exterior danger, um, I don't know, like maybe if wildlings were threatening to overrun Winterfell or something, I don't know, some other external for, uh, other problem that would get her to confide in Littlefinger and maybe trust him. But it just seemed inauthentic that she would be following him and being so clearly, easily uh, manipulated, right? Yeah, I agree. Um, and so, we, I mean, we're either headed for – I mean, this this would have been on the level of Arya getting stabbed stupid. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and I think uh, somebody else made that comparison. Uh, yeah, or the alternative is that they're playing him. But the problem with the whole playing him is that, like, scenes that were not involving him – Really made it seem yep. like they there was they were playing him, and so the only well then you have to ask yourself just like Cersei at what well Cersei she was betraying she was playing along from the beginning, but were Sansa and Arya playing along from the beginning before mm-hmm. uh, Littlefinger tried to manipulate Arya? Was she aware of it the entire time even before then? And were they always on the same page? Were they just arguing in Arya's bedroom just for? a show in case somebody overheard them through the walls? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the the, the best explanation would be that they had a, a finally come to Jesus moment, but I don't know why you wouldn't put that on the screen instead of creating this false sense of danger. It's just bad. Like, this is, yeah. uh, this is like somebody said the dreaded comparison with The Walking Dead, and I feel like this show has never been more Walking Dead than this episode. Not only the fact that there was a zombie in daylight running around trying to kill uh, Cersei, but more so that there's this tension that never comes to fruition, nothing ever happens, and you feel like, oh, well, these people are going to be around next season, so there's no way they're going to die. Um, it seems like manufactured conflict. Like In The Walking Dead, people like take dramatic moral stances out of nowhere, and they, and they reverse them equally as quickly. Um, and they just do whatever they want. It's not, it, it just feels very inauthentic. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I yeah, this, yeah, this is stupid. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you, you summed it up and more also, eloquently than I could have. <laughs> yeah. Well, even so, even if it wasn't, um, even if it was, uh, God, what am I trying to say here? I mean, it's just so annoying that she's, that she's such a rube or she's playing that she's such a rube that I, I God, it just annoyed the crap out of me. So, because, you know, one of the things that this show has done a lot, and we see another example of it later, is you have these characters that ping pong between two extremes where Sansa right. was was really stupid. Then she got smart, and now she's spent this season being stupid again. Uh, so uh, that that part of it's frustrating because there's no there's never anyone's character. There's never seems to be a permanent change to them or changes are just so disposable in the universe that it's frustrating and 
Um, the fact that they haven't even hinted that there might be something else to this other than Sansa being a rube was frustrating because it, you basically spent her, her a season with her being stupid. So, and it wasn't just this little finger thing. It wasn't just the Arya thing. It was also the John thing. I mean, well, it's, it's the same so thing. It's similar to what happens with Jamie. Jamie decides to. This is the wedge. This is when Jamie leaves Cersei and turns against her. Now, when he showed, yep. when he showed all season long, and even in the season before, just going along and be like, I'm going to accept whatever bullshit she sends at me. Like to have such an extreme like change of heart now, when it wasn't really hinted to. Uh, it's I would have. You know, Jamie's been a fucking wet sock this entire goddamn season. Like, yeah, uh, that's just a preview of the Doug rant that's coming. So, oh, all right. So, what we're next? All right. So, uh, Danny and crew are back at Dragonstone, and they're planning their next move. Uh, they're all going to meet up with the Unsullied, the Dothraki at Winterfell. John saying they can take a boat to White Harbor. Uh, Jorah suggests that Danny fly. Um, and he brings up yet the fifth illusion that somebody says, hey, a random arrow could just kill you real quick. So if Danny doesn't die by an arrow, I don't know how she, it's, it's it seems ridiculous. Like, am I wrong that thinking that that many people have said, hey, just one random arrow, what one arrow, one bolt from a crossbow. Anyway, we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, but it seems like Jorah's uh, suggestion may be motivated by jealousy. Uh, as John says, hey, it's be a good idea for you to be seen. And she sides with John. And Jorah gives him a little stink eye. Uh, later after the meeting, uh, John's leaving and gets approached by Theon uh, for a private word. He says he's jealous of John because John seemed to always do what's right. Uh, and Theon's always been conflicted. John says it only looks that way from the outside. He's done plenty that's wrong. And Theon's like, well, not as much as me. And John's like, yeah, you're right. I'm not as big of a piece of shit as you are. Uh, Theon then owns up to being a piece of shit and betraying his, uh, you know, his dad, his adopted father, Ned Stark. Uh, and then John gives him as much comfort as he can and forgives what he can, uh, but not all. And then informs Theon that he doesn't have to choose. He can be both a Greyjoy and a Stark. Uh, Theon then says that he wants to save Yara because Yara was the only person who tried to save him. And John says, well, what the fuck are you doing standing around, dum-dum? Go do it. Yeah, well, so now John can just say, yeah, you can go ahead and abandon Danny's army. Um, that seemed odd to me. I did like the conversation in general, and uh, also John's uh, responses to Theon kind of almost begging for forgiveness, implicitly at least. So I thought this was a decent scene. The, the, the scene prior, I, I didn't yeah, understand what that waste. accomplished. Nothing. Yeah, I think it's just setting so, up a situation for them to bang. That's it, which is so yeah. It's sad. It's sad. But why even have that conversation? Why not? Why does she why just not get just on the do boat it? and go? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. do it. Like, so. why talk about it? Yeah. Uh, unless you're setting up more Jorah jealousy for next season, which no one's going to remember that shit next season. You're going to have to establish that all over again. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I did enjoy, I mean, Alfie Allen does a good job acting here, and I feel like John's response was um, good, but not too goody tissues two shoes like he didn't forgive everything you know he's still cold to him where it seemed like it was ending or going towards like at a hug or like a man embrace uh they stopped short of that um but yeah i guess you're right like theon's just gonna abandon danny and do his own thing but at the same time there should be no real need for a naval commander which is you would think theon's like um 
value. I mean, there's only like five Greyjoys that are still left on Danny's side. Uh, you know, the boat that brought. <laughs> um. So what? What use is Theon really? I I don't know. And is he even a good battle commander? I don't think he is. Well, he knows more about ships than probably. You Does know. he? You're right. He, he was lived. Right. With- he was living with the Stark. So I don't know. He is of no value. You're absolutely right. So yeah. yeah, go ahead, Theon. Do whatever you want to. Yeah, go rescue Yara. Get yeah, out of here. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So next we go to Theon um, going out to find the remaining uh, Ironborn fleet. It's uh, roughly what thirty guys, thirty five yeah, guys. Yeah. So he gives a speech about how they have to save Yara, and Yara would never leave them behind. But then a rando insists that she's dead or she's going to die either way. Rando then says that they have a plan to go rape and kill a village, but Theon says that Yara has forbidden that. A fight that ensues between Theon and the rando, uh, with the rando beating the crap out of Theon. But then Theon magically regains his powers <laughs> after being hit in the stump repeatedly and is able to defeat the random guy. Uh, I guess the men now respect him again, and um, Theon goes to bathe himself in salt water, apparently reborn. You know this reeks of Dave and Dan of the D D and D right here because it's yeah. like childish. Like, what if he goes to hit him in the Nards, and then Theon's doesn't got any Nards, and that's what turns yeah. the tide? That's some fucking dumb, dumb bullshit. Like, which that guy would know. I mean, it's, it's not a secret that that uh, Theon doesn't have any Nards. Yeah, you would think so, but uh, I mean, my whole theory is in the books. They've been setting up Theon for a while for his trials and tribulations to make him if he survives it the hardest motherfucker in the planet and uh it's even hinted at because after yara loses the king's moot and uh she's running from euron and gets kind of captured by stannis who's still alive in the books uh she's thinking that uh theon is her best chance for survival because uh the king's moot might be invalid because they're supposed to let all valid claimants to the throne uh, state their case and Theon wasn't there uh, so she's like whatever in the book Yara who's called Asha uh, wants Theon basically to put in his claim to the Iron Throne just so Euron can't be king as her last ditch effort it's it's definitely a far-fetched thing but at least they're setting up Theon to be like a somewhat of a hero or a more redemptive character I don't know what he's doing now is he going to save Yara? Do I care? Not really. Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, I don't either. Um, and I, what's the point of this plot line? What what role do these people have in the war against the undead? They don't, I don't, they really don't know. swim, so yeah. the undead don't have boats. Uh, yeah. Why? I, I mean, I, I guess I do like Theon maybe on the path to redemption, but... But he went through this again uh, prior when uh, Yara yelled at him in the PTSD drinking game, and he supposedly seemed like he was ready to sack up. And then he, you know, he nominated his sister at the king's boot. But that's so we thought we thought we'd seen him turn it around. But, but now that's it's the problem. Is, it's it's what you said all along with Sansa. Yeah. Like we saw Sansa in yep. all black leaving the Eyrie, and we're thinking, okay, Sansa's going from pawn to player. She's going to be a different person. She's no longer get vandalized or victimized. And then she gets repeatedly raped and made into a victim. Uh, by uh, Ramsey Bolton and you know yep. Jamie. Jamie uh, is breaking from Cersei. She he sees her as a terrible person. She basically burned people alive with wildfire. The thing that he got branded the Kingslayer for, uh, trying to prevent. Uh, but he's okay with Cersei. So like, it's not just like little backsliding. It's like in- no. 
incredible flips in character uh, development. Yeah, I agree. It's a problem. Yes, it's uh, just annoying. Yeah. Okay, so uh, we go back up to Winterfell. Sans is alone on the ramparts of Winterfell, just looking at the snow and brooding. Eventually, after some seconds, she tells the guard to bring her sister to the Great Hall. So we're like, oh, fuck, what's going to happen? And we cut to the Great Hall, and all the lords are assembled, both the lords of the north and the uh, Vale. Arya is escorted in by some soldiers, and it seems like Sansa is going to accuse Arya of all these things, lists all these crimes, and says, are you sure? Arya's like, are you sure you want to do this? And she's like, it's not what I want. It's what has to be done. Let's address your first accusation, Lord Baelish. <gasps> and then all this... Da, da, da. Da, da. <laughs> yes, exactly. So uh, Littlefinger's taken completely by surprise. Cue the dramatic chipmunk. Yep. Dun, dun, dun. So anyway, uh, Sansa starts listing his crimes, including killing her aunt, Lysa Aaron, uh, including getting Lysa to kill John Aaron and starting the War of the Five Kings under false pretexts, uh, and also the betrayal of Ned Stark. And uh, Littlefinger denies it, saying that no one here saw what he did. No one here is a witness. And then Bran speaks up and said, oh, yeah, I saw the whole thing. You said this when you put a knife to my dad's throat. And Littlefinger's like, Oh, fuck. And he starts getting desperate. Um, he asks to speak the loan to Sansa. He then tries to appeal to Jans Bron Royce, telling him to take him back to the Vale, uh, and he's not having any of it. And then finally he uh, devolves to begging on his hands and or on his knees to Sansa, and he starts professing his love for her. And Sansa uh, basically just talks all sorts of shit and throws his own words in his face. And tells her little sister to kill him, and she does. So it's his throat uh, pretty casually, and he bleeds to death right there on in the hall. Uh, and uh, yeah, as we discussed, uh, this was always going to be disappointing. I wanted Littlefinger to still be a good bad guy, and he wasn't a good bad guy. He was just annoying. Like, even if this would have went his way, it wouldn't have been my Peter. Hashtag not my Baelish. Yeah, it's so strange. Uh, just a really odd fall for the person who was the most dangerous person of Westeros. Um, you know, he he essentially started this war between these families. I mean, he's played everyone better than anyone else, with the exception of maybe Varys. Uh, he's probably better than Varys. Yeah, and he, he gets just kind of went out with Varys a at the. You remember yeah. when he has that chaos's ladder? He basically got the best of them and murdered Roz. Yeah, his informant. It's also just silly. I mean. Sansa didn't really outmaneuver him. I mean, she just happens to have a magical brother. Um, so it, that was kind of, and, and that's the other part of it is we don't know. We don't really know what went in, right. into this decision. So that's problematic to me because they, they just kill him without any kind of trial. I, I guess they may be relying on brand, but I mean, would that really hold up if questioned? Plus we don't um, know that we don't know explicitly brand was his undoing, but I feel like maybe yeah. it was a cut scene because remember I had that whole theory that, um, every time we saw Peter Baelish doing shit, there was crows calling. Um, it came to yes. nothing, but I really think there was a missing scene where they, uh, it's just, it's just me trying to defend Yeah, myself, no, but. I think there was, or at least that, that was the original idea. And that's what D and D were talking about building tension instead of talking about logic. And I mean, these it just seemed corny as shit. And these two D and D really thought that they nailed this one. So this was, oh, yeah. this was really weak. I don't um, remember paying too much attention to the, like where they they blow D and D in the after the episode interview, but I remember they said something like, "This is why we feel for this person. This is why it's so tense." I was like, 
don't speak for me, motherfucker. <laughs> I didn't feel for that person. Yeah. No, I mean they probably looked at it. I mean the the death, the killing cell was very poetic. Um, you know, killed by the, the killed by the knife that started yeah. the war between the families. You know, uh, lost his slitting his throat is essentially taking away his greatest tool, the gift of gab. Um, so you know, I, I, yeah, I think that they probably looked at it from a um, from just of whether this is justice and thought they made something great but it's also it's also another problem with it is that um you know ned stark's whole thing was the person who, who yeah passes carries out who should swing the sword carries it out right yeah. so that's contrary to ned so i mean just a lot of a lot of bullshit and the build up to it is just so dumb that, it, it's dumb yeah. and it, once again it's the outcome i wanted i wanted them to kill peter i just wanted him to be a bad guy worthy of being killed, like I don't know. I just, I just think it was mishandled, or, or arrived there in an interesting way, and they didn't arrive there in an interesting way. Instead, it was on the the wings of this stupid conflict that didn't really mean much. Didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. All right, so where do we go next? So next, we return to King's Landing, and Jamie is planning with some lords when Cersei arrives and tells uh, Jamie that he's stupid. <laughs> and she's a liar. She has no plans to stick to the agreement, and raises uh, the point that the uh, what help? Uh, right here. Oh, that what help would they actually provide uh, if the dragons and the Dothraki can't handle the army of the dead? Jamie says he made a promise; he's not going to break it. But Cersei plans to let everyone kill each other. Jamie raises the point that either way that they're screwed, either the army of the dead or the army of the victorious north or Danny's army will turn south to kill them once the war in the north is done Cersei's apparently picked up that Danny probably lost a dragon otherwise why would she have brought the third dragon Cersei then reveals that she has 20,000 soldiers in the Golden Company on the way and actually Euron went to get them he didn't step, stomp out of there for no reason Jamie is pissed that she plotted with Euron but he, she's also pissed that he met with Tyrion Lannister Jamie says he intends to keep his pledge and goes to leave when the mountain stops him. Cersei seemingly gives the order to kill Jamie, but Jamie says he doesn't believe her and leaves. We, then we go to a shot of Jamie riding away from the castle by himself when it begins to snow, thus signaling winter. I don't know that this is explicitly made or made explicit in the show, but it really snows in, in King's Landing, so this is a pretty big deal. Right. And so now we've got our, our redemption story, Doug. <sighs> Once again, the outcome I wanted. The awful, awful path that didn't make a lot of sense. Like, for him to change now, it's stupid. But my bigger problem with this scene is that they're repeating themselves within the same episode. So this is yet another brother that is alone with Cersei who says, Go ahead, have Sir Gregor kill me. <laughs> yeah. And she doesn't kill. And she gave the this, motion. Why did she kill them? Oh, yeah. So, Why didn't so he you, kill him? yeah. And I don't know. That makes me think like maybe she has control over Sir Gregor almost on a telepathic level, and like Sir Gregor knew her heart. You know what? That sounds just as believable as what fucking happened because they didn't explain. If she nodded like that, I was like, I got excited for a second. I was like, holy shit, they're gonna kill Jamie. And it would have been yeah. a better fucking episode if they killed Jamie. Yes or no? Yeah, that's something I was going to raise at the end. Uh, they really didn't kill that many people this season. And I think to to the harmful to the to the the season or the season in general, the I mean, series as a whole. Yeah. Like you have a very long track record of usurping people's expectations and killing people that would normally be safe in other TV shows. 
Like no one right. should be safe. So who, who did we lose this season? We lost Baelish. Baelish, that's it. We lost Yo, which that uh, was coming. We lost the Sand Skanks and we lost uh, Lady Olena. Thoros and then Thoros arguably and, the, uh, no consequence. No one cared the, about the, the dragon. The dragon, yeah, the, but once dra- again, dragon, that's not a character. That that is how it impacts. Yeah. I know you're a weird animal lover and you don't like to eat meat and stuff. I'm like not that. even bringing that up. I'm <laughs> I'm saying like from the perspective of what what's a, I mean I guess it's it is an animal yes but arguably it's not, it would be up there with yeah. the loss of one of the dire wolves yeah you know? or or a, or a piece of artwork something like priceless like a, yeah sure like it's like the Mona Lisa kind of an animate object <laughs> I don't know no. it's 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 rare it's the rarity I yeah. think also adds to it like you know they inspire awe I think Danny even says that in the Dragon Pit speech they in, in shot, inspired fear and awe and it, one of them was taken down so that's weighty but it's not really emo- I don't have an emotional reaction or I didn't have like a I would have been disturbed by seeing Jamie get like cut in half like that would have fucked me up yeah I'd have been talking about it for weeks yeah and even like Lady Olena that wasn't like a dis- I mean you that was just that had to happen I mean that wasn't wasn't shocking I, even though she's fun on screen I don't know that I really had any connection to it like I didn't feel bad about it you know because because yeah, you, so. you assume everybody here is gonna die yeah right right mm-hmm. you assume everyone's gonna die except for maybe one of our three heroes Tyrion, danny and john um I, I expect at least one of them to die if not two i expect one person to live maybe uh but well i don't know at this point though with the way they've been handling these characters yeah they, everybody could be alive and happy at the end who knows like yeah, it seems to be going so far afield from what the show started as. So I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, I did like, uh, I did like the, the shot of Jamie as he left and snow falling on him. I thought that was very uh, good shot. Yeah, very, very, very nice. Um, it does seem kind of silly that it's just he's just going to go up there by himself. Yeah, I was I like, mean, why does he take some of those just, armies? So what do do? Like, yeah, he is. He is okay. So. I don't know enough about Roman history, but I'm pretty sure like Caesar became like the ruling party because he was the general and like the whatever the Senate had no control. Caesar just said, hey, I'm bringing all my armies and I'm going to be king now or emperor. And they really had no other choice because they put the control of the martial forces in his hands. Like, yeah, I mean, if if Jamie's like, hey, all commanders, we're going north anyway. Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe she would have sent Sir Gregor after him, but you got to think like if Jamie's surrounded by an entire army, they're going to stop Sir Gregor. Like what, what does Cersei have? What, what real inherent power behind, besides Sir Gregor does she have like in a martial aspect? Like why couldn't Jamie just take all the armies? Yeah, I don't know. I, I really don't know. <sighs> the show. That was baffling to me. Yeah. So I, I don't, I don't even know how you'd fix that. I, I really don't know. I don't know, but uh, once again, the outcome I wanted, I wanted him to turn against Cersei. I think we all wanted him to kill Cersei, uh, and maybe yeah. if they built the tension to that, that would have been better, too, than him, like, what is he going to do? He's going to, like, join the rest of the good guys up north? That's kind of boring. And, I mean, maybe he's going to have some commander and battlefield experience to, like, direct armies and stuff, but he's not a warrior anymore. He's got one hand, and he's not that great with the, the left hand. I don't... Uh, and he's all in black now, and he's covering up the gold hand. Uh, I don't... It's very un- unsatisfying, I'll say. Agreed. 
Okay, so yeah, as uh, Brian said, we get some snowfall in King's Landing. We get it in the Dragon Pit. We get snowfall, you know, basically winter's coming to King's Landing. And you think, like, they're winding down the episode, and they are. Um, we get a shot of uh, Sam arriving in Winterfell uh, and Gilly. Sam goes to see Bran, and they get a little catch-up. They get to do the meet-and-greet thing, only they're not walking because Bran can't. So only a talk, not a walk and talk. Um, Brand could have says, been a rolling chat. It could be a rolling chat. Yeah, I think rolling chat would be good. Uh, Brand says, uh, hey, thanks for helping me out by getting me north of the wall. Uh, why are you going north of the wall? Oh, I'm the three-eyed raven now. Uh, I don't know what that means. And he's like, so he defines his power by saying, I can see everything in the past and everything in the present. I guess he doesn't get the future. That sucks for him. But then he still has the ability to warg with the ravens. I don't know if that's part of this whole I can see everything in the present thing or not. Uh, so I still feel like we have we don't know everything about Bran's magic. Moving on. Um, says uh, that the, um, he asked why Sam is here and Sam says he's here to join John and fight against the dead. So I guess Night's Watch vows don't mean anything anymore. Or Sam's just a Night's Watch deserter. And he's just breaking all the rules. Uh, Bran then explains to Sam um, that who John's parents are. And Sam informs Bran that, oh, uh, I thought that throwaway line by Gilly that he wasn't really paying attention to. He, I guess he knew it by heart. And he's like, oh, yes, I guess John is Lyanna and Rhaegar's uh, child, but he's not a bastard. He's not last name Sand uh, like he was Snow in the North. He is... uh, a Targaryen because I read the uh, private journal of the septum that married him and gave the annulment. And Bran's like, are you sure? And he's like, well, can't you see everything in the past, motherfucker? Go check it out. So Bran goes to check it out and he sees his aunt and Rhaegar Targaryen, which looks a lot like Viserion or Viserys from the first uh, uh, season. Yeah, disturbingly so. Like, disturbing, like with the same, like, they could have given him a slightly different hair style or something. I understand the, like, uh, but I'm like, oh man, that's a creepy brother looking guy. Anyway, uh, so I guess they Brand's like, oh, there was they didn't abduct and rape my aunt. They went off and they were in love and they got married. Uh, Robert's rebellion was started on a lie. Uh, John is indeed the heir to the Iron Throne, and guess what? His name is Aegon Targaryen, which that seemed the most likely name. Um, people were thought thinking his name was going to be Jaehaerys or some shit. Uh, one of the other. Uh, Targaryen kings that came after, but yeah, of course it's going to be Aegon, the first guy who conquered the Seven Kingdoms. Um, and then he's like, yeah, he's going to be the heir to Iron Throne. Uh, he's better claim than Danny. All that shit. But at the same time, this is all interspersed with scenes of Jon giving the old knocking on Danny's door thing uh, on their boat trip going up north. And of course they get to Bonin. We get to see Jon's ass. Uh... Bran basically spells out explicitly for the audience, the dum-dums that can't put together two and two, that John is, you know, the rightful king of the Seven Kingdoms. He was never a bastard at all. He wasn't Ned Stark's son. <laughs> like, he just keeps saying, like, shit, like, spelling it out, yeah. spelling it out. Uh, and anyway, and this is all while John. Did you hear that, dumb? He's not... <laughs> Did you did you get this dummies? And then yeah. weirdly, Tyrion is watching from the shadows as John like goes into the room, and I'm like, what the fuck is this? If if Tyrion is, is Tyrion in, a peeper, yeah, is Tyrion a peeper? Number one, number two, is Tyrion in love with Danny? 
they kind of hinted that with in like season five, he he said something like, "Can you blame these people for falling in love with you?" But it wasn't really explicit that Tyrion was in love with her, especially in any of the scenes that they shared this season. So him watching, is he just like, this means trouble. I don't want this to happen. It's just weird, right? That, yeah, I mean, that that was my takeaway, that he was just concerned with what would happen. I know that there is another explanation, because we haven't seen anything that would indicate he's in love with Danny a la Jorah. So I'm guessing that's the explanation. It's still a weird creep move. Yeah. It could have been like, oh, fuck, like, and just walked away. But he just stood there till they were yeah, deep into like, the... <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think this... Is this one of the first episodes where we've had male nudity without female nudity? Oh, yeah. You're probably right. Yeah. I'm surprised. Uh, I guess... I think Danny in real life has uh, said that she was going to try not to do nude scenes unless... Yeah, but she was nude in at least the first season. So with uh, computer compositing, I'm sure we can put some boobs... <laughs> On Danny in this scene. Um, I did like the clarification of Bran's powers to yeah, some extent. Exactly. Yes, that was that, and that. So that makes so much things make so much more sense. And I don't know why they couldn't have dropped that a season ago, and then we would have had a lot better frame of reference. And plus, like Bran, Bran was, was being from. like a normal human being, a little bit of a creep. But remember when he was talking to Mira? He's just yeah. like, "Oh yeah, goodbye." Yeah. What? So long. Thanks for saving me. Yeah, like the, like the inconsistency with Bran's character is all over the place. Like, yeah, Bran was weird, but he was talking to Sam like a normal person. Like, yeah, uh, that's frustrating. Yeah, I did like Sam's reaction. I don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. I, I use that phrase all the time, but and I don't understand what somebody's saying. So, uh, but I, I liked it more because this is the first person actually called him on his weirdo stuff which again i don't know why somebody else didn't hasn't they haven't really called him in the past you know when he's run into um the aria or sansa the first times but um the one thing that i questioned was um the three-eyed raven the original three-eyed raven seemed to know that sam was going to come to him um so it seemed like that version of the three-eyed raven had uh, a knowledge of the future but apparently brands doesn't uh, who knows? Maybe the Three-Eyed Raven saw him in the present with some green seer uh, tendencies. I don't know. Uh, he, he said lines like, I've been waiting for you or That's some true. shit. I yeah, mean, he's waiting yeah, for you for a long time. It's, yeah. Once so again, that, this, does, this doesn't clarify as much as it needs to, but it's starting to clarify a few things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So overall, I liked uh, I like this, this these set of scenes. Yeah, it's fine, and I think you know they're building up to like ending the episode, and I think they did a good job ending the episode. I just think that everything that came before was a little bit of a letdown. Like not yeah. a lot happens. Well, one other point to raise is in the post show D and D discussed how now that these two are together and this relationship makes all the sense in the world, now they're going to find out that they're related or whatever. So. I, I don't know if I like that extra layer that D and D you're going to throw onto it that they'll have a problem with this relationship. Yeah, that, I think they'll dating. get over it. I think I think it depends. Like yeah. if you tell them pretty soon, they're going to be like, "Oh, gross." You want to go back inside and fuck again? <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe yeah, I, it. But wait I a just minute, think it's wasn't they're, <laughs> they're introducing that? You know? Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, no, they're definitely introducing it just like they were introducing at the end of last season the tension between John and Sansa at Winterfell. This is going to be more manufactured conflict that it really isn't going to come to anything. We like yes. I feel like these last few episodes of this 
season in particular is how the rest of the series is going to end. Like, if you had a problem with this stuff, I feel like we're just going to get more of this. Yeah, I don't most see likely. any evidence to the contrary. <laughs> yeah, yep, yeah, you're absolutely right about that. So, I, yeah, I, I just thought it was striking how I didn't. I know what the relationships are, and I didn't really have a problem with this in this world. And D and D suddenly like, oh, it's going to screw everything up. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't get where their heads are on some of these things. Yeah, and it, yeah, it doesn't seem like it's true to their characters. It seemed like they would be freaked out by it, but once again, Targaryens have a long history of uh, marrying each other, keeping the bloodlines pure, or whatever. And mm-hmm. they seem to be like, you know co-pilots anyway they have a mutual respect anyway so i don't see how and john doesn't want the fucking throne so even if it is his throne you think he's gonna be like making a big deal about it i that doesn't seem true to his character at all uh, yeah i don't know I, I don't know yeah all right so we're, ne- we're to next or is it me i, I think it's, it's you talking about the winterfell girls yeah so next we go to uh Sansa and aria standing atop the castle of winterfell Mimicking an earlier um, episode where John and Sansa were standing up on the castle, they discuss the events of today, and Arya confirms that Sansa is the Lady of Winterfell, while Sansa says Arya is the strongest person she knows, but she's still strange and annoying. Uh, Sansa repeats the line that the pack survives, and then they both say they miss Ned, but of course no one misses Cat whatsoever. <laughs> Meanwhile, Jesus, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's funny they they bring up Ned so much. Oh, and they I, haven't. No I one's think. mentioned. Uh, what is it, Rickon, the young kid who's yeah. dead? Oh yeah, yep. Yeah. Rickon just lost in the the uh, shuffle. Yeah, nobody gives a shit about him. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, Bran is hanging out by a weirwood, surfing the net, and then that transitions to the next scene. And I'm not sure if this uh, next scene was a vision of Bran's or it was just a way to... I think it was just a transition, but you got to think that Bran's seeing this with the next scene. Yeah, I think so. But well, before yeah, we yeah, talk yeah. about that, let's 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 finish this thing. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it's just, you know, showing that the girls are united. It's a united front at Winterfell. They're united by Ned Stark... Uh, and they're common, you know, nothing's going to bust them up. They are a unified front, and everything's good here. They attack as a pack. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the long and short of it, and this would explain, I mean, this this uh, gives t- more credence to the theory that there was a conversation between these two prior to um, Littlefinger's execution, and this kind of confirms it. Right, uh, but once again, not a whole lot of interest here. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so yeah, uh, Bran is indeed warging in uh, the Winterfell Godswood, seeing through the eyes of some crows or ravens. I don't can't tell the difference. Anyway, the, they go by Eastwatch, and uh, we see Tormund and Beric uh, on top of the wall, standing guard, and they don't really have much to talk about. I think, like Beric says, it's a long way down, and uh, Tormund goes, "Yep." <laughs> So uh, I, I really th- I gotta I guess I gotta go back, but doesn't seem like they had much to say to each other. Anyway, they spot one, then two, then a fuckload of White Walkers and zombies emerge from the tree line. We get the obligatory three horn blasts, uh, which means that White Walkers are approaching. We heard that once before um, in season two, I think, with the fist of the first men. Um, and uh, yeah, the ranks of the army of the undead roll up including giants, undead giants, and uh, they fall short of the wall and just wait there patiently. And then we hear in the distance a screech, and out of nowhere, 
Uh, the undead dragon flies by and sprays blue flame at the wall. And Tormund uh, tells everybody to GTFO. They start going down the stairs, and the dragon uh, proceeds to light up the wall with blue flame, uh, wrecking uh, definitely the structures on the opposite side of the wall. East Watch people are falling into their death, um, and he's just going to town with his blue flame on the wall. Eventually, the wall or part of the wall collapses, and uh, the army of the dead go forth, uh, and they are officially getting south, and they are in the realm. So this looks like it's the beginning of the end, or is it? Question mark. Yeah, <laughs> the running joke online was, um, <laughs> "Tear down this wall, Mister <laughs> Knights King." Uh. Um, it looked kind of cool, but. You know, we knew this was going to happen. It was a production leak. It was also just telegraphed so hard. Well, I mean, uh, come on. Uh, from the beginning, it's 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 yeah. a MacGuffin. The wall is protecting us from all from the the wildlings at first, and then you realize it's protecting us from uh, the White Walkers. It has to come down. If this is protecting us, it has to come down. So you knew yeah. this was going to happen. You just didn't know how. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did like we mentioned earlier. The knights are, or the whites are back to plotting. I don't know what what how that's supposed to happen, but uh, pretty pretty good, I guess. Yeah, didn't it seem so kind predictable? Of, and a lot of times yeah. they they go out with a with a bang, and once again it seemed like that this was going out with a whimper. But I think it's also symptom. I mean, if you were just watching this and you never, you know what you it made this better. Dive, I'm sorry. Go ahead. What's that? If, well, if you they, didn't do, you weren't doing deep dives on this. This might have kind of gotten you off guard or, or no here's what um, you do is you don't have the yeah. scene from last week where they they dragged up the dragon and and brought it back to life you just have the dragon show up yes or no uh, yeah I, I don't know what, what do you think that accomplishes i think it's surprising you'd be like if i you know you'd, if you were just a casual fan you'd be like oh that's that dead dragon that they brought back yeah like if yeah, you would have, if you would have left Viserion at the bottom of the fucking pool, uh, and you thought, hey, he's just out of the game, and everybody moved on because Danny's moved on. Danny is Danny John. None of these people have, at least in the show, have even considered that the dragon would come back as a white. Um, yeah. So I feel like they, they would have left the audience out of it. It would have been a little bit more of a surprise. I, I, yeah, well, I, then they would have been out with, without a uh, without the closing scene of the last episode. They they could have. T- I don't know. They could add Danny and uh, yeah. John Bone. Then I don't know. Uh, yeah, <laughs> okay. like what do you need? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I got you. Uh, I think. Uh, yeah, I guess that's it. So, anything else to say about the scene before we talk about the episode as a whole? No. All right. So yeah. Well, you know, one thing I, that, yeah, actually, the whether Tormund survives or not, I mean, you have to assume that he did, but I didn't think oh, they yeah, did a yeah. very good job of, of making it clear that he survived or or even built suspense. Like, it's not even like a thing right. that it just seemed like they omitted what what happened to him. I feel like so, uh, we were talking about this at, uh, I was talking to a coworker about this, and I was like, oh, yeah. And then, you know, of course, Tormund and Beric survive. And he's like, did they? I thought they died. And I was like, did they show him? He's like, no. And I was like, then they're alive. I figured yeah. like we we would seen like a a point where like the wall collapses, and Tormund and Beric are like right at the edge or right at the point where it collapses, and like they're looking down <laughs> from the edge of where the wall collapsed, going, oh no, like uh, yeah, but safe. Um, 
that's what that's just my opinion. That's what my gut feel tells me. Like the show really doesn't do off screen deaths too well. I mean, we had Stannis, but um, it's about it. Yeah, I mean, if they want somebody dead, they usually yeah. show him. Like they could have had Tormund fall to his death if they wanted to kill him here. I I, I think he's alive. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I, I think I don't think there's any question about it. All right, yeah. So uh, I'm gonna after talking about this, after seeing it twice, and then talking about it with you, I still think we need it. I think it was a good episode. I just think for a finale, it was very underwhelming. I feel like the logical inconsistencies that we had last week are exasperated by the fact that we didn't have a lot of surprises here. I expected either Peter to die or maybe Sansa or Arya to die, so I was prepared for that. I expected the wall to fall since episode one. Um... Not a whole lot, and nothing really happens with Cersei. Like, Cersei was at war with Danny and company before this episode started, and she's still at war. Uh, Jamie's changing sides. The Golden Company is getting involved. We knew that was going to happen. They talked about it. I just right. feel like not a lot happens. We found out the dragon was reborn last week. We figured he was going to be used, and he was. Uh, just not a lot of fucking things. Not a not a lot of surprises. This show used to surprise and usurp expectations, and now it just fulfills expectations, just like every other goddamn show out there. So, um, in context, I'm gonna give this a two. Ooh, I think that might be the worst of the episode, the season. Yeah, I, I I definitely don't think it was the worst episode of the season. Um, uh, gosh. Yeah, I mean, I'd probably give it a two and a half to three, and I'd have trouble settling on one of those two numbers. I mean, Let's give it a three. It's still a hell of a watch, uh, even though it was inconsistent. And, you know, a lot of these things just stem from the fact that we spend too much time thinking about it. So, um, eh, I don't know. What do you think? Two Very uneven season. Two and a half At this three. point, yeah. Two and a half. Okay. At this point on the season as a whole, I thought we were going to see a lot more spectacle, and we didn't see a lot of spectacle, or at least the, the spectacle we did see was uneven or underpinned by something stupid or uh, just uh, was underwhelming in general. So I don't think there was like a whoa moment really during this. I mean, maybe the the last episode. I I don't know. It's still great, but it just didn't really live up to the high expectations of Game of Thrones. I agree. I'm gonna defend my uh, rating, saying I'm def- I'm grading this episode based on, in context, other Game of Thrones episodes and other Game of Thrones finales. Like, even though the finale usually isn't huge, it's usually the penultimate episode. Uh, last season, as a finale, we got uh, the Sept blowing up, which I think was surprising to everybody. Like, wasn't that surprising? Yeah. No that that was that was one of the best episodes. Right. Uh, yeah, you had the music, the, and you had the build-up, and that was tension. Uh, uh, like, compared to that, this this episode doesn't even come close. No, no, no not at all. Consequences. People, the all, all the Tyrells were gone, and I guess all the religious people, too. Like, a huge swing yeah. in power. Like, things yeah, fucking happened. Like and I, I remember that there was a lot of, more that happened in that episode. I think that was only, like, the first 10, 15, 20 yeah. minutes. So uh, yeah, that was a yeah, and then that ended with Danny um, with on the boat with all of her powers, with yeah. all the you know dragons flying around. You're like, 
excited because now she can wreck shit. I mean, I guess we're we're excited because the army of the dead is coming south, but um, the mechanism just was kind of boring. All right, so you said two and a half, uh, and I said two, and I guess we round up. So we're gonna give this a two and a half, um, guys. This is uh, we're going to have some kind of wrap up uh, talk about the season uh, episode next week, probably maybe the week after. But then, guys, we are taking some time off. We are not going to watch this goddamn series again. So this is episode 71, uh, and I guess we'll have a 72. But that's 72 weeks in a row that we've been talking about this fucking show. Uh, what and a we, goddamn nightmare. We appreciate all the support. We appreciate all the vast sums of money you guys have given to us to make this worth it. Um, Doug, it's not about the money. It's about the love of the game. <laughs> about the love of the game. We appreciate all the reviews. I think we went from 10 to 11 over the course of the season, so thank you very much, you pieces of shit. We appreciate the invitations to Con of Thrones. Even though we couldn't go, we wanted to. <sighs> anyway, we're going to take some time off, but uh, I think we will be back, and we might in- invite some people. Particularly, lots of folks have been less... I got a, I got somebody right here. Um, I think this is Bronze Boner 69 says, Why isn't Jermaine on the show anymore? So I think we're going to have Jermaine on next week to talk about what he feels. I might not be back. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for joining us. Uh, and as always, we will see you next Tuesday. Question mark? Say goodbye, Brian. Bye, Brian. Bye.